Hello and welcome to the Liverpool Way podcast. We're coming to you right after an excellent 3-0 win at home to Aston Villa to give the Reds a third straight win to continue the unbeaten start to the season. It was comfortable from the moment a sobber-slice stormer opened the scoring in the third minute before an own goal from Matty Cash and a tap-in for Salah in the second half rounded off the scoring. This was an encouraging display reminiscent of the dominant days of the Klopp era where three goals, chances galore and a clean sheet felt routine. However, the afternoon wasn't without concern as captain for the day Trent limped off with a hamstring strain, hopefully just to keep him out of the international break. I'm Chris Smith and I'm joined by Paul Natton and TLW editor Dave Usher who've hot-footed it back from Anfield. After chatting through the game today, we'll also be talking about the signing of Ryan Havenberch and looking back at the ins and outs of the transfer window. Dave, there's loads to like about today. The team looked as balanced as it has in about 18 months. We probably could have scored as many as we liked. And the transfer window is mercifully over. Uh, it's all looking quite rosy going into the international break. I'll tell you something I don't like. What's all this Matty Cash own goal stuff? That's Darwin's goal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not having it. Taking the goal off Neither- Darwin. Neither's George, Dave. Did you see that in the in the in the ground? Yeah, George gave it to Darwin. Is right. <laughs> Darwin's that's goal. George. That's George's. That's George's right, though, isn't it? He's 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 never he never announces the own goals unless they're like proper blatant. No, he, he doesn't. It's it whoever whoever the last Liverpool player to touch it. Yeah. Is, but but he's right in this case. It's Darwin's goal. Do you want me to tell you why it's Darwin's goal? Oh please, yeah, yeah, go, go on then. Okay. I'm sure there's a point you're getting to here. So is it about peacocks? No, no. <laughs> so what happens? Obviously, the ball gets played into Darwin. He hits it first time, like clips the shot, hits the post. It comes back, and yeah, it hits Matty Cash and it goes in. None of that is is like disputable. I'll accept all of that. But what people seem to be missing is the spin that he put on the ball. The ball was going to like take two little bounces and then spin back into the net anyway. Like me clipping a pitching wedge. It always like it'll bounce forward and then it'll spin back when when you catch it. That's what. So the rule is, if it's going in and it hits someone. It's, as long as it's on target and it's going in, which it was because it was going to spin back into the net. So that's Darwin's goal. All these fucking chippy knobheads trying to take it off him, not having it. Darwin's goal. And he got robbed of one last season in exactly the same way, by the way, against Leicester. Let's not forget that. Robbed. So that's, that's two more goals that should be on, on his, on his like, right. stats list. Listen to the proper right. well, indignation in his voice, Chris. <laughs> uh, you know, he could have just put it. He could have just put it in the net first time, right? Instead of hitting a post. Like, you know, he's unlucky. Where he's hit the post and he's hit the bar today, and he's missed that absolute sitter at the cop. No, not even that either. That's a difficult chance. So no, it's fucking. It not. is. I've just I've watched it back. I thought it was difficult at the time. I've just seen it there. That's a difficult chance. I'm not having it's that. Not, it's it's a difficult chance if you're him. It's no, a it's a difficult chance. chance. Look, look at like the the angle and the height. He's got to try to adjust himself to get that ball. That's not a sitter at all. And bottom line, it was easier to score than it was to miss that. No, sure. I disagree. Look at the angle from behind the goal, and it's disagree. like an absolute sitter. No, which Paul, one are you on about? What do you think? Are you on about the one where the Mo uh, near near the uh, second half where Mo Mo knocked it across for him? Yeah, yeah, with the I, outside of his I thought, feet. I thought his movement was absolutely incredible for that, and I didn't. I thought it was. I thought it was difficult for him. Thank right. you. I, well, you were in I the was, cup, so I'll. Uh, yeah, I'll I was right there. behind it. I, I was. I was basically right in front of Darwin. He was right in front of me. I thought his movement was absolutely sensational. It was, and I, and I think um, it was. It was a, quite a difficult chance. That's something that just Agreed. doesn't get talked about enough. His movement is fucking sensational all the time. That's why he gets the chances he gets because his movements are just so good. But on that one, Paul's talking about there. If you watch it again, the defender has not got a clue where he's going. He ties him inside and out just with his movement. Um, okay. 
But I don't want to turn this into, into the Darwin show. I feel like fully vindicated anyway. I've got no need to do no, that. No, I'll because Paul said it. Because somebody who's a serious person who said that it was a difficult chance, okay. I'll, like I'll uh, I'll accept it. I agree with you completely about the movement. It was great, but I would have argued the toss with you over the the finish being poor. But as I said, a serious person has come out and defended him, so we can move on from that. Well, so um, so like you don't listen to the striker who knows all about finishing, but you'll take like Paul's opinion on it. I'm telling you, that was as a striker, that was a difficult chance. As I, I mean, why do you keep proving my point by proving you're the, that you're not a serious person? <laughs> uh, you know, talk about the... no, I, I got to tell you this before <laughs> before we carry on. Oh no, no you're no, not, are you? No, no, listen. You no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. Not talking about like the, the the me and John thing before the game. It is involving me and John. No, what I'm about to say. <laughs> I got John with the Anana joke again. <laughs> Oh, fuck yeah, now. I did. I got How it many times is that now? Uh, I don't know, but it's like... It's, it's at least three, isn't it? <laughs> at least. But it was perfect when I set it up as well. He went, who's this referee? And I went, oh, it's that, that Hooper, isn't he? And he went, all right. I went, yeah, he's back from suspension. And like he looked at me and went, yes, he got suspended. Like He didn't give that pen at United you know, with the keeper. What's his name? And he went, oh, no. and I, and I went, what's his name? And he, and he looked at me and he went... <laughs> Every fucking time. <laughs> you get me every fucking time. I celebrated that as much as the goals, to be honest. Fair. That's fair. Man. All anyway, right. yeah, we'll crack so, on. Let's crack on. Liverpool 3, Aston Villa 0. <laughs> the game was at Anfield yeah. in the Premier League. Your thoughts on the game, Dave? Um, really good. Uh, I think it was really easy, comfortable. I think Villa played right into our hands, which is very surprising after the, how difficult they made it last year. But um, yeah, I think there's a, a lot to take from that. Like saying to Paul before the game, it's hard predicting what we're, what we're going to see each week because it's a new team, fairly new system. We've not got a feel for any of it yet, so we don't know what to expect. And plus the fact, like if you're looking at like the previous three games, okay, the Chelsea game. We, that was like we played 90 minutes with 11 men, so you can judge that game and say first half an hour was really good, after that was really poor. Bournemouth, bad start, turned it round, then we ended up down to 10 men, did a good job after that. Newcastle, hit and miss, then like we're down to 10. How are you supposed to, like, you can take from like that Newcastle game, what you can take from it is that tactically we you know we really did a good job and we went down to 10 the players dug in we played that perfectly and we got the win but moving forward what do you take from that in terms of like today's game for example there's not really much you can take from it because we played with 10 men um so i didn't really know what to expect today because we're too early in this process with this team we we, we don't know them yet you know to be have any level of comfort about what to expect from them um but i thought that today was really really good Lots to take from it. I think, you know, the the midfield especially, I, I like the dynamic of that. And we'll talk about all this later as well with, like, the lack of a number six and, and bringing in Gravenberch and what, what all of that means because I think that's an interesting discussion to have. But based on today, I thought, like, you know, the energy was there, the press was there, played good football, constantly threatening in behind because Villa's defence was so high. I mean, that ball behind, the ball over the top was on all day. Mm-hmm. And with, with better passing at times... We could have sliced them apart. There was a few times in the first half, McAllister missed it, missed like a, a really good chance to get us in behind, just a little bit wayward with the pass. And a couple of times in the second half, we like I think I think it might have been Curtis trying to play one, and he didn't get enough height on it. And if he had, we'd have been in because the chance we're talking about there with uh, Darwin at the back post, 
that comes about with like Trent just like pings one over McGinn's head to Mo. Uh, McGinn tried to handle it. He think he got a touch on it, but obviously play on and we nearly scored. But yeah, that they were so high up, the ball in behind was just on all day. And I just think <clears throat> we absolutely just dominated that game from start to finish. Villa had a couple of little moments. Generally, if we'd given the ball away and you know they they, um, they hit us quickly, but. Just a, a dominant performance and three nil. I mean, really five nil would have been a more accurate reflection of that game. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, Paul. I, I mean, yeah, I agree with everything Dave said there. I mean, I think the thing, a couple of things really struck me about today. The first one is we just. I mean, I know. I guess it's obvious when the personnel are literally all different, but it was we're absolutely transformed in midfield, no doubt. Um, <clears throat> you know, the movement, the fluidity. Uh, the mobility, the fact, the, the amount of ground that they cover, lots of interchanging of positions. The box midfield was 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 much more fluid today than it has been, and also uh, Trent's position was slightly different um, a lot of the game than it has been. He wasn't coming so rigidly inside next to McAllister. Yeah. He was kind of like sort of playing in a half position between the base of the box and kind of where he's been previously. Um, I just thought the interchange between them all really good. Had some concerns about our capacity to keep the ball, um, and I, I, I don't think they've quite all been put to bed because I'm not sure that Villa put us under that much pressure when we were on the ball today. But certainly, I think the press is is well and truly back. Kurt is just a press monster. Kurt is the new is 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 the leader of the press now. The new yeah, I just think he's, yeah, he's absolutely fantastic in the way he leads the press, Curtis. I thought he was absolutely sensational. I think we're definitely uh, going to be a very high-scoring team. Um, I think the attack looks really, really on fire. And I thought um, Joe Gomez, absolutely brilliant. brilliant in both positions he played today. Yeah. Um, I've got a concern, and I think I'll do more of this when we come onto the transfer window, about what we're left with now defensively. Uh, but in turn, but today, no real issues at the back at all. Robbo, interestingly, ap- apart from second half after we were 3-0 up, um, was more tucked in, playing more as a back three, not, not really looking to get on the front foot, not, not, pushing out to the, uh, not pushing out to the touch line, not pushing up to the halfway line. He was staying a little bit more tucked in, um, which was quite clearly um, deliberate. They've obviously adapted his role slightly to, to account for this new tactical setup that we yeah. are but yeah just really 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 exciting I thought it just great to uh, there was a buzz about the game you know we were coming off the back of Darwin's two incredible goals and in, in the uh, in the game against Newcastle the sun was out and it just felt like and we said before Dan and I were saying before the game in some ways it felt like the first home game of the season there was more of a buzz about it than there was um, in the previous one um, and right. I'm starting to just feel really good about us moving forward do you know the what, what final just final thing before I hand back Chris I, just just thinking about the four games that we've played so far, and I, th- I think, do you remember the, the first game against Chelsea? A lot of people were saying things like, it might be a good time to play them. I think really now, at, at this stage of the season, that Chelsea will be looking back and saying it was a good time to play Liverpool. Yeah. Because I think right. that they, they, got us, they got us at a point where we were finding our feet and we'd look already just three more games further on, much more developed in our, uh, in our new side. I just want to come back to Robbo again. It's not the highest on the list of priorities from today, obviously, but seeing as you mentioned him, I thought it was sort of interesting how how 
unimpactful he is when it comes to our attacking play anymore. And we've been talking a little bit about system changes and how um, you know this might leave Robbo as the odd man out, Dave, if we did sign that left side of centre-half, which we haven't. But looking at that today, I think that this might actually extend his Liverpool career a little yeah. bit because he's a fucking good defender... Yeah, <laughs> you know he's left, and like the fact that he's not going to be bombing forward constantly now. Less running, like yeah. less running. So I, as far as I'm concerned, this could is you know he's not going to make as many headlines. He's not going to be racking up the assists as he has been. We will miss him in terms of his getting down the wing and overlapping with Diaz. But in terms of having a left back who can actually defend, you know this is a, this could be something that keeps him in the team for a little bit longer, perhaps. I thought he was really good today. Yeah, yeah, was. Excellent game. Uh, you know, he could reinvent himself. It's definitely not out of the question because he is a good defender. Um, I still think we, we'll we get onto this later, but I still think we, we should have been going for a left side uh, centre back. But that's as much, like, for, for me, it's as much about putting pressure on and eventually replacing Virgil as it is anything to do with Robbo. I just think that oh, yes. Robbo will be the one who's most vulnerable if that happens. You know, if the left sided centre back. Is like not like some six foot five, six foot six, like Dan Byrne type. Who, who you know, you, you don't want someone like that playing Robbo's position. But if he was like quick and mobile and good on the ball, then Robbo could have a problem. Do you know what I mean? It's like, so you wouldn't be wanting to play Virgil where Robbo is, for example. Mm. But if you had like a left footed Joe Gomez, that or Canata, even that could be a bit more of a problem for Robbo. But like, you know. I think it's a good point you make there. If he's not having to clock up as much mileage, it could prolong his, his career a bit because I don't think like you could carry on what Robbo was doing. I don't think you can carry on playing that way like well into your thirties. But you know it'll, it'll catch up with him. Maybe now it might extend it by like a year or two. And he is a good defender. You know, there's no, I've never really had any any qualms about Robbo defensively. I think he's. You know, he's, he's the best left back for me. He's, he's the best left back we've ever had, in my opinion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he's yeah. absolutely outstanding, and I feel a bit sorry for him that he's having to sacrifice himself to to this extent because of the like the the system change to benefit Trent is like cutting Robbo's balls off a bit. Uh, so I do feel a bit bad for him there, but it was noticeable. When Trent went off and Joe Gomez goes to right back, Robbo was just fucking charging forwards. Yeah, he was, yeah. It was like he was just let off the leash and he was like, oh, finally. And he was just right. like charging forward. Um, and but, we were three up, weren't we, at the time? Yeah, as well. yeah. I mean, game I, was won. Yeah, I, I just think he was he was enjoying himself because he just had. He was like, offside the, at one point, wasn't he? <laughs> <as well>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> just just getting that chance to actually like you know have a bit of a run and and make things happen in the final third. It's like you know he doesn't get to do that too much anymore. But yeah, yeah his roles change because of the system, and yeah, he's having to sacrifice himself a bit, isn't he? But he's playing it could well. Be like you know? the. It could be like, sorry, it could be like the wee Scotty dog when, you know, you've got him on the leash when you're walking him up on the yeah. pavement and then you get to the field and you let him off. And he's <laughs> he away. Just, yeah. goes tearing <laughs> away. Um, yeah. But let's talk about Trent as well, though, because hopefully this um, this injury will only keep him out for the international break. Klopp seems to think it's not too serious, but he, he always kind of says that, and it's a hamstring. So who knows? Hopefully this is just a precaution today and he'll, he'll be back by the time... All of the England stuff's over. It looked like conveniently, it. yeah. Um, but I think there's an argument, Paul, and I said this to you before that um, 
there's an argument for Gomez keeping his place when Virgil comes back now. Now, obviously, that'll be dependent on whether Trent is ready, because otherwise we've got no other choice but to slot Gomez in at right back. But um, you've talked about quite a lot about Virgil having pressure on his place. Obviously, Gomez is not left-footed or left-sided. He plays on the right. But if all being well going into our next league fixture, do you think Gomez keeps his place or and should he keep his place? Uh, the, yeah, they're two, two quite different questions, aren't they? Um, a mate of mine um, who listens to the pod WhatsApp me that I was walking back to the car at that same point. And he basically thinks that Gomez should keep his place. And I'm inclined to agree. Me because too. I just think, I think what we saw today, well, certainly it was head and shoulders above um, the Joe Gomez that we saw last season when Dave was giving him dog's abuse and calling him... Um, Sleepy Joe. Yeah, Sleepy <laughs> Joe. And, 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 and what was it? What was it? Titus who, who did Bramble. You compare? I compare Titus, Titus Bramble, Bramble, that's it. I wasn't happy about that. Yeah, well, at there's all. context but involved, was, but anyway, yeah. He was, uh, but he was, he was much, much better than that. But I also think he played better than we've seen from Virgil um, this season today as well. That's He's the so key. composed. All his decision making really good. He looks mm. more mobile, uh, really, really focused, really concentrating. And the the big thing for me is that he's done it in two positions today, which are asking quite different things of him. And that suggests to me that his mindset is really sharp. He's ready. Um, he's ready to take a place in the team, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, I seem to be in the minority. I think the captain let us down last week in the way he behaved. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not so much, the, not so much, the, not so much the tackle, all the nonsense afterwards. And I, I also, I said on the last part, I'm sick of the whole "I'm the man" stuff. You know, I think what we, what we need to see is, um, you know, that we reward players who come in and, 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 and give us exactly what we need. And Joe Gomez has done that today, so. I mean, I think we, we, we may already be getting into a situation where we're really thin on numbers right across the back line. So it may be a case of needs must. You know, as you alluded to there, we might not have Trent. But I, certainly, if Trent is available, if it was up to me, I would definitely leave Gomez there. Um, whether Jürgen will or not, not so sure. Um, but today, thought he was great. Because I, li- I quite like the idea of, of Gomez and Canate as a duo, to be honest. Like... Loads of pace, both really competent on the ball. Um, and sh- like you say, sharp as well. I One of the things I noticed from Gomez today, Dave, that I perhaps haven't seen from Virgil in a couple of times, that the ball would be played into the Villa attacker's feet and Gomez would be right there to like nip it off his toes. And all of a yeah. sudden we've got the ball back again. That's been too easy for teams. They've been able to pick up the ball there in those little half spaces, lay it off. And then because our press has been so non-existent, they've just been able to play through us so easily. And I think a lot of... The reason why this looked so much more balanced today was because the days of us being able to just be played straight through, like we're, you know, pieces of fucking tissue paper are well and truly over with the legs and um, the intelligence that we have in midfield. But I also think Gomez played a role in that today in how front foot he was with his defending. He and was, how, yeah. You, like, you know? Yeah, I thought exactly the same thing, uh, especially in the first half. There was like a couple of incidents where they've pinged the ball into the forward, and Gomez. I was like, had a really good view of it from like where I'm sitting. He'd already started to move before the pass was played. He knew it was going there, and he'd already started to move, and he's just nipped in front, intercepted the pass, and got us on the attack. And it happens a few times. And uh, yeah, it's a good point. It's not something that 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 Virgil's been doing, and. I think the key thing what Paul said is the performance from Joe Gomez today 
Virgil's not played at that level so far this season. He's not he's not produced that kind of performance that, that Gomez produced. Now that's not to say that he's not going to. He's not going to come back in and be really good. I'm not saying that. But I do think like that Gomez has done enough that he probably deserves to stay in the team. The problem is it goes back to what I was saying about like why I didn't really want him to be captain, but there was no choice. If they didn't give him the captaincy, it would have been a big snub, and it's a story, and it's causing you a problem. If he doesn't come straight back into the team, it's a story, and it's gonna, you know, it'll snowball from that. Now, do I think he should come in and straight back in after his ban? If everybody's fit, no, I don't think. It depends on like how the next game goes. I mean, Joe Gomez could lay an egg in the next game, but we don't know. But if Joe Gomez plays, because I think Virgil's ban's gonna get. He's going to get like at least another game. I think we're all agreed he's probably going to get mm. something. So he doesn't play the next game. So you're going to go with like depending on what happens with if Trent's fit or whatever. Hopefully Trent's back. So you keep those two in again. Canate might be back, so obviously that helps. But I think Gomez has to stay in. And then the question is, well, who plays alongside him? If Gomez plays like this in the next game, he deserves to stay in. Uh, to me, like no question, and yeah, you know, I've had me criticisms of Gomez in the past, but it's been justified because it's always been like just that one mistake that he's got in him, and he kind of had that today. It, like he he got away with one. It wasn't a mistake as such because he done really well to get back in, and it looked like he'd won the ball, and then he tried to just take an extra touch, and and he got sort of lost his balance, and like and and they went they went through, but that was the only moment in the entire game where he wasn't completely flawless. I thought he was just outstanding, especially the first half. Second half, we didn't really have to do as much. I think Villa just waved the white flag. But the first half, when Villa was still posing a little bit of a threat, like trying to counter-attack us, he had to deal with some situations because, like, that lad that he was he was marking, um, Diallo, I think it is, is it Diallo? Um, he's just like a left-footed Mane. You know, he's a real live wire, dangerous player. Quick, skillful, direct, and I think Joe Gomez just dealt with him absolutely brilliantly. So there, there was a threat there, but it didn't really materialise because of how well Joe Gomez did against him. So um, yeah, I, I think like if he keeps this up, he should stay in. No two ways about it. So we've kind of done this a little bit ass backwards, and that's my fault. We talked a lot about the defence in, um, which you know is noteworthy because it's, we, it's been a while since we've kept a clean sheet and we looked really solid, and that's super encouraging as well as the attacking play being good. But in terms of the game itself, we got off to like a really fast start, Paul. We, um, won a corner early on, and sure enough, the ball comes out to Soboslai, and he just pings it into the corner. Absolute stunning strike, and uh, we're one 0 up. And, for me, one of the things I'm most looking forward to about getting back to Anfield uh, before Christmas is watching this lad play. Because I can just see, you know when you watch a player on the TV and you just think, oh, I can't wait to be in the stadium to see all of the little things he does when the camera's not on him and he's not on the ball. And you can get a much better sense for what kind of player he is from that. Like, Tell me a bit about two games at Anfield this so far this season. Arguably, he's been one of our best players in both of them. Tell me what you like about him, what you saw from him today, and um, you know your thoughts on him moving forward. Well, my first thought is it looks like we've got a fella who might be worthy of the uh, the shirt he's wearing. Yeah. Um, I think 
I, you know, I, I, I'm not going to throw the massive call in there straight away, but he doesn't look out of place in the number eight shirt at the moment. I threw he's it into a... John today. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. Just I got him carried away, but yeah, go on. He's, he's, he's got, he's got, he's got more to do. And we need to see, a, we need to see a body work over a period of time. But that was some goal today. That was some goal today. The power, the precision, the way he got over it. Um, absolutely sensational strike. Um, there's a there's beginning to be a buzz about him in the ground, you know. There's you can when when he gets on the ball, people are starting to you know are starting to expect things from him. Movement is very like I said, part of this very, a very fluid midfield today. So he moved he moved right across the, the midfield. He was he was playing on the right, so at the top right of the box. He played on the left. He dropped back um, later on in the game, back as we've seen him a couple of times this season in and around the six area. Um, but he's he, it's already he strikes me as, as the player that I think Jurgen um, sees him as one of his as one of his um, you know the players he can rely on in terms of understanding of the game, following instructions, not giving the ball away. Very very strong on the ball. Uh, he's got a real physical presence about him, but um, fast as well. Great feet, first touch. I mean that you know we we all think of him well rightly he is he is a right footed player, but he had that with his left today. Mm. That's some finish if that's your weaker foot. And I'm looking at him. I haven't seen enough of him to know, but I would suggest he's probably actually fully two-footed. Um, we just haven't seen too much of him over on the left-hand side. But certainly he seems to be composed. He seems to make all the right decisions. His awareness of teammates is excellent. He's always available for the ball. Happy to take it under pressure. Um, he's, he's starting to look at... I, I thought that we were starting to see, in the first half particularly, a little right-hand triangle appearing again um, with Trent, Soboslai and Mo. Not quite in the way we've had it traditionally. They were all playing in slightly adjusted positions, but he was going wide right of that triangle a couple of times. Yeah. But then I think every 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 little um, triangle, every little position, every little setup that we had in the team just struck me as fluid today. You know, I think that's the thing. That's probably my biggest takeaway from today. Really, is how fluid the, the positions are. Certainly, um, in front of the, in front of the the back three, as it becomes when when Trent moves forward. Um, so Sobberslai, yeah, I, I really, really, really encouraging, and he he looks like he's not in any sense overall by playing for Liverpool. Uh, he looks like he feels very ready to make this step up, and he's and and you know and to take responsibility within what's starting to look like a really exciting team going forward. And also, sorry, final point, he can do the hard yards as well. He puts his foot in, he works, he grafts, he presses. So he looks like the full package to me. Early days, but looks like the full package, but with a very high ceiling. Yeah, I I don't think we're even scratching the surface with him. He's he looks really good, but you know there's like so much more to come from him. Um, it's, especially goals, Dave. Which is oh yeah, he's, yeah he's, I think he's like a, a ten goal a season midfield player. Uh, I also think like he's the he's a he's a leader as well. You know, he's saying about taking responsibility. You can see that already. You know, he's only 22, but like he's captain of his country and that. And you can see he's one of those players who loves the responsibility. He wants the ball. He wants to make things happen. But his energy is ridiculous. I mean, he's like such a, a like physical specimen. He will run all day. Like when you they're making substitutions, like this, you always know the players. You think, okay, so Diaz, Nunez, maybe McAllister. These are players who you, you they're going to look at like bringing off 65, 70, 75 minutes because you're making changes. You're going to do that every game. And the players you're looking at to bring off, Mo is never one of them. 
And I feel like Soboslai is going to be one of those players who it's like, no, you're on for the 90 minutes. Because he yeah. seems to get stronger as the game goes on as well. And he was just like so powerful with his running. Um, I'll tell you what he did do today, which it just made me laugh. It's just not something that you ever really see. I think he'd taken a corner and the ball got cleared out. So like he's he's everyone's like pushing out and the ball's over on the left-hand side. And whoever it was, I think it was Robbo, had the ball over on the left. And... So I was like, put his fingers in his mouth and whistled because <laughs> he wanted the ball. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I've ever seen that before. <laughs> he just whistled. He's like, and then put his hand up. He's like, I'll have it. <laughs> just made me laugh. It's like that's mad. But no, he's he's um like I said to John, what I actually said was after like he scored that goal, I just said, you know, there's shades of Gerard about this lad. You know, he's obviously got a long way to go, but just in terms of like the physique, the way he moves. You know, like it's just his technical ability. Um, there are definite shades of Gerard there, but I can't remember Stevie ever hitting one like that with his left foot. No, his right foot. Yeah, his right foot was a sledgehammer, but I don't remember him hitting too many like that with his left. So yeah, he's he just looks he looks the business and looks like. I tell you what's funny though, we could have ended up with Mason Mount instead of him. Imagine that. Uh, fucking yeah, imagine that's, that's a mad thought I fucking Mr. Average and instead we've got like you know this like potential fucking superstar good stuff John, good to me. John said like is he's um like because I said about like you know what the, the lad in the forum had said about the Emery Chan struck by lightning and gets super powers <laughs> and, that's and, great that is John, John said like he, he was thinking it's like uh, Prince Adam and He-Man. He said, like, Emery Chan's like Prince Adam and then, like, Sopha Slice He-Man. Nice. <laughs> All right, good. I think I was. I feel a little bit bad because when we signed him, I made fun of him for, like, how boring he sounds when he talks and stuff. And he, was he clearly that. just lets us... Yeah, he was. But he just lets his football do the talking, which yeah. is which is fine by me, old school style. Yeah. Um, so, we're, you know, we're ahead in the game and... We've been saying time and time again that against teams like Aston Villa, when they want to waste time, that the way to the way to stop them doing it is to score early against them. And the memo finally got through. We conceded first in our last uh, two games and uh, rectified that today by taking the lead. I mean, we just never looked back from that point, Paul. No, I agreed, agreed. I, th- I mean, I think yeah, we we looked comfortable nearly nearly all game. I mean, obviously there was a Allison made a good save. Um, Later on, uh, second half, but I, I thought we looked we looked really comfortable throughout. Um, the second goal was absolute class, wasn't it? That's a great finish. Yeah, yeah. The ball, the ball from Trent first of all, like just, just, just ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> the spin and on then, Darwin's shot as well. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think I just love that whole the whole link up there. It's just seeing really class intelligent players who clearly understand each other. It's such a pleasure in that, isn't it? Don't you think when you see players mm-hmm. in the world-class players and they're all on the same wavelength, that's 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 one of the real pleasures about going to Anfield under Klopp, I think. You know, and I think we, uh, one of the things that's been so difficult about a couple of the fallow seasons recently, or last season particularly, is that you feel it's all fading away. And I think, you know, I'm not saying we're back to where we were because we're not. That, that involves consistency and trophies and dominance. Um, but certainly that buzz and that excitement is back when we're going forward, and that was that was the bedrock really for 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 much of what we loved about about watching the, this this team under Jürgen, these teams under Jurgen. I think and starting to feel that coming back again today, 
was uh, was, uh, was was great. So yeah, I mean, I think yeah, just answering you, just answering your, your points in general, Chris. I I didn't think we were in trouble at all, uh, and the second goal really for me just 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 put it to bed. Really, I think um, mm-hmm. there was a couple of frustrations too strong away. There's a couple of things where I was I was, I was slightly. I wish we'd got a couple more goals because, like Dave said right at the start, I think we deserved it. That ball over the top that Dave mentioned, I mean, that we, we must have tried that five or six times. And there was always maybe just a little bit too much weight on the ball. Martinez stands right at the edge of his penalty area and he always was just there to, to snatch the ball just before the forward got to it. But that, that, that was on and I think with just a little bit more... Um, a little bit more cohesion and understanding as as they used to to playing together. Those those sorts of things will come off and we'll give teams real a real hiding. Um but yeah, I didn't I didn't think we were under we were in trouble at any point today really and I think um yeah, we were we were comfortable and enjoying ourselves. The players were really enjoying themselves as well. I think it just becomes that we you know what it's like at Anfield, the sun's out, we're winning, the the team's playing well, we're enjoying it, they're enjoying it. There's nothing better, is there? It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you made a really good point as well about how things sort of felt last season when we when we were worried that it was the end of the era for the team. And it's not necessarily a case of us having to be right back at that level straight away. You just want to feel like you're on the up, like you're yeah. going in the right direction. And I, f- I feel after these first four games in various different ways, for various different reasons, yeah. partially because of the, the signings we have made looking like they, they're good signings, um, when there was a lot of sort of talk about how messed up our strategy has been, whether we still have the ability to, to get hit after hit after hit. I think the players we've signed, are, you know, they're all looking like they're, they're going to be serious contributors for us with, with one other coming as well. And I do feel like, I don't feel like we're on the downslope and this is the end of the era. I do feel positive now that we're, we're moving in that right direction again and tracking in the right direction. Yeah. And I think like if you look at Arsenal last season, watching them, like it was like yeah I remember that I remember when that was us you know when like you are you've got that feeling that you're on the up and this is the start of something and last year we had just like you know I kept saying we lost the eye of the tiger and that and and we had and I think it was interesting like Klopp's press conference on Friday and he was talking about I love this team and he was like you're going to love this team you know just give it time and you're going to love this team and he just seemed like so convinced that like you know you can see he's he's like rejuvenated by it like the team's been we've still got like a fair few players who were there before but you know it's like it's half a new team really isn't it you know from what it was two years ago so I think like you know we are at the start of something again we've got a lot younger you know older players have moved on we've brought in like fresh faces we've got young players like in and around the squad as well you know the, the likes of Bajetic, Doke. Um, Kwanzaa came on, did really well again today. Mm-hmm. So we have got young players around the squad, plus like the new signings. The average age of the squads just come right down from mm-hmm. from like last season. So these are all things that needed to happen, and we don't know where it's going to take us. We don't know where. We, who knows? We might challenge for the title this year. I mean, I think that's too soon because I do think we've got flaws. But if you get a bit of luck with injuries, you you just never know because nobody thought Arsenal would go as close as they did last year. I know they fell away at the end, but they were up there for so long because you get off to a good start and your confidence is up, and then you just get on a bit of a roll. And mm-hmm. I, I think we're, we're probably on we're not ten out of twelve. Did any of us really expect ten out of twelve? I think we'd have all nope. said 
10 out of 12 is great. I'd say I'd take that yeah. right now. You know, we yeah. would have all like because it wasn't like you know, two difficult away games there. So to get 10 points out of 12 while we're still bedding in new players and that, you know, it's it, we couldn't really ask for any more. So, um, yeah, it does. I do feel like the, the new players have invigorated us, you know, the legs in midfield, the energy, uh, brains as well. I mean, McAllister's just a, a really smart yeah. player, just composed, intelligent, just does the right things. Sobber's like Let's talk about explosive. him for a sec. Let's talk about McAllister for a sec then, because you see him in that number six position, and I, I kind of think he's wasted there, really wasted there, but yeah. he, he did a good job again today. He did. I, 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 I defensive think... work was really good as well, just getting a foot in and that. He must have given away four or five free kicks as well. And he was getting frustrated with the ref because they went like clear fouls, but he was getting so tight to his, his, his opponent, you know, trying to win the ball back and that. So that was a really positive aspect, I thought. Like He, he seemed to be embracing the challenge of playing that role. I, I think um, that maybe we need to start thinking slightly differently about the six as well. As well. Definitely. I don't, I, I don't think the six is... Well, it's not. I'll say, I'm not, not only do I not think, I know for a fact that the six is not what the six used to be um, in this team. You know, I think... Uh, Signing a Gravenberch tells us that, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, Rather absolutely. But, e- but even... I, I, I agree with you, but even, but even seeing what we're seeing today, you know, it's, I think he's looking much more for possession um, and for... Uh, for possession in that in in that position than he is for uh, destruction, um, and I think also the whole team feels much more attacking. In the past, you know, our best our that that truly great side that won the lot. It was a functional midfield to service an incredible front three, but this feels like if you look at pretty much every player, apart from the two centre halves and the left back in the way he's being asked to play. There's major, major attacking dimensions to their football, every single one of them, the way we're lining up at the moment. You know, it's all about this very, very fluid, possession, fast possession-based football, which is about working chances and taking them. Um, and I think, I think the key in that position, from what I've seen so far, I also suspect we might go a little bit horses for courses in other games, but from what I've seen so far, what Klopp really wants is somebody who's re- you can really rely on them to u- use the ball well. To not give it away and to keep it keep the ball moving quickly, um, I think, and I think what we saw today from McAllister was exactly that. Yeah, I, I thought similar to you, Chris, in that whole that whole thought about he's wasted until today, and I saw it today in terms of how the whole team were playing, very very fluent and fluid around around him and in front of him, and I thought, oh no, this is we're playing totally different football. We need to change our benchmark and our expectations. This is not what we thought it was. And it's not even the box midfield stuff that we saw is not what we saw at the end of last season either. It's it's becoming more refined. And I'm sure we're going to see some bumps. We've already said that this season. Just because we've had you know, these great four results and a really good performance and win today doesn't mean that we're not going to have a few little setbacks when we come up against different, different challenges on the pitch. But certainly I think the fact that it's a work in progress uh, um, it, it is obvious. We're seeing improvements game on game. Um, and I think we've just got to keep an open mind about about what what to expect from these players in this in this system um, and and this shape. I, I think we're going to. See, I don't think we're going to see a defined number six. I don't think we're going to see one player who is our definitive six. Because for me, you know, I was kind of expecting Endo to start today. I hadn't really given it a lot of thought, but the fact that he didn't, I mean, you know, you go in at half time, it makes perfect sense. You know, the whole performance. That fluent attacking performance made perfect sense. You don't need a player like that um, on a on a day like today. 
So, yeah, McAllister, I thought, was, was central to, to a lot of that. Picking the right pass, keeping the ball moving. He receives it under pressure. He moves it on quickly off either foot. Um, doesn't give it away, doesn't lose it. I, I thought he was great. Um, I do want to see him in a bit further forward as well, though, because I think he can offer us much, much more up the pitch. But I think, as I said, it's a, it's a horses for courses um, approach this season. You can subscribe to the Liverpool Way podcast on all the major platforms, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon or Podbean. Just search for the Liverpool Way, leave us a review and hit subscribe to automatically receive all new episodes. You can also head to liverpoolway.co.uk and grab a TLW season ticket for just £3 a month. There's tons of exclusive content, including match reports from every Liverpool game, weekly Premier League roundups, the TLW diary and access to the members only forum. Lastly, you can follow us on social media at the Liverpool Way on Twitter and at the Liverpool Way TLW on Instagram and Facebook. Dave, on that note, I'm I'm jumping in and out here because there's every month in around our like uh, around our area, there's like this classic car slash fucking barbecue slash music thing going on. And uh, so I'm like muting my mic on and off <laughs> all the time to try and avoid that coming through. It pisses me off, man, because it's like it's fucking Trump central. Don't they know we've got a pod to record the selfish? I know bastards. the fucking selfish <laughs> bastards. It's fucking truck, truck and Trump central. Oh it's all oh, like that. fucking shit, fucking southern rock music. <laughs> it's all it's fucking men with their shirts off and beard and stupid tattoos. Women with far too little clothing on for their age range. Cigarettes hanging out of their mouth, eating shit food, drinking shit beer, ruining my ace podcast. <laughs> Fucking dicks, man. But um, before I mute myself again, um, McAllister Day, going on from what Paul said, does this make you feel more comfortable now? Uh, window shut. Endo is the, is the recognised six that we've signed. Thinking about how McAllister is doing in the role... Um, the possibility of switching things up for different games, I, I'd say at home, then there's there's no reason why we can't have someone like him as a six because you don't necessarily need, um, you know, when you're having 70% of the possession, you don't necessarily need someone cleaning up all the time. But um, how do you view it in light of who we've signed and what we're going to be trying to do moving forward? Well, I think it doesn't matter what we've all been calling for and saying oh you know we need a six a defensive midfield player none of that matters because clearly Klopp doesn't want that he wanted to go because if he did want to do that I know we tried to sign Caicedo and and Lafayette but it, it wasn't a case of I've got I think that was more he liked the individual players rather than I need this profile of player you know a defensive player because I don't see why we've signed four midfield players now Endo's the only Six and he's not going to play every week. He's he's going to be like a a squad player. He'll come in and out the team. So when we signed Gravenberch, I'm looking at that and going, "What are we doing? We've got loads of those type of players. You know, like the 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 players you play in the two advanced positions in the box. We've got plenty of those. So why are we signing another one of those? And I think now the it, what we've seen today. Well, this is why. And it won't necessarily just be McAllister all the time who does it. I think there'll be games when Curtis plays there. There may be games when Gravenberch plays there. I think this is just going to be. It, it, he just wants like fluid, like a movement around in the middle of the park. Players you get about the pitch, good energy, good at keeping the ball, can score a goal, and and I think that's the profile what he was looking for. So. 
he's ignored like the the defensive midfield who we all wanted to get. He's not gone in that direction. He spent eighteen million quid on on one, and they're all the rest of the budget went on attacking midfield players. So I think this is going to be over the course of the season. We're going to see. A, a, it goes back to what Paul said. We had in our heads how this was going to play out because of what we've seen at the end of last season with the box and it was like Fabinho in there with Trent. So we had like the defensive player and then Trent getting on the ball and then two players further forward. And we thought, okay, so that's like the blueprint for how this is going to be. So Fabinho goes and like, well, we've got to get somebody like that, but with more legs, which isn't difficult considering like the way Fabinho's legs went. But you know what I'm saying? It's like that type of player, a more mobile Fabinho, was that's what we thought we were we were looking for. Now Caicedo's probably that player and yeah we tried to sign him. But you look at what we have got and McAllister probably like seventy five percent of the games you can play him there and it's not a problem. But I do think they may well when Endo gets up to speed, if he gets up to speed of course, if he settles and he starts looking the part, well then when you're away at Man City maybe that's the game when like you're playing Endo, you know, the more difficult matches like that. But a lot of the time, I think what we've got, we're just going to mix and match with that, you know. And I, I think Curtis is really important to how we play because yeah. I'd, it'd be interesting to see the stats today. I don't think Curtis Jones gave the ball away once today. I don't ever remember I, seeing yeah, him losing the ball at all. And he's not. I'm not saying like he's doing anything particularly flashy or anything. A lot of the time, he's playing like playing the ball like sideways and backwards, and I think, well, oh, maybe you could have gone forward to Diaz there or whatever. But what he's doing, that's like really important for how this this team is supposed to be now. You know, if we're trying to turn into more of a possession-based team, Curtis Jones never loses the ball. He's and the new he, genius. He's, he's he? also great at winning it back, you know, in, in leading the press. And, you know, it's just he knows when to go because it's not like he's running about pressing all the time, but like he does it at the right times. Uh, but he just never loses the ball. And I think that's going to be like a really important part of, of how we're playing because our biggest vulnerability is when we lose the ball needlessly. Yeah. And yeah. that most of the, if you look like the goals we've conceded this season, well, two of them are a direct result of mistakes by Trent. So, like, you know, if if those mistakes don't happen, there's two less goals, which means we've conceded one goal, um, Chelsea, which mm. was, a, was a set piece, wasn't it? Second ball in from a set piece. So it's not like we're really getting exposed defensively. A lot of it's just down to when we lose the ball and then, you know, teams can, can hit us quick. Um so yeah, the, the midfield. I think this is it's it's not what any of us were really expecting. You know, we were thinking, yeah, we'll get the defensive midfield player in. We didn't really do that. But you look at what we've got, and you think, well, this is this is just how we're going to play now. It's it's not really what we thought was going to happen. But this is what they've wanted to do. Hmm. I'm just sitting here thinking about things that are um, less mobile than Fabinho, and I can't actually think of very many. <laughs> Maybe Christmas like dinner. an offensive Christmas lineman dinners. in the NFL. Yeah, Christmas dinner's less mobile. He was eating all of them, though, wasn't he? Yeah, mountains are probably a bit less mobile. <laughs> I was going to say yeah. glacier, but no, that's probably not right. Uh, they, at least they that move does at, move. Yeah, they move at a yeah. fair old pace when they get going. Yeah, <laughs> especially these days. Oh, anyway, no, you know what? Fabinho did a great job for us. Just it all went pear shaped at the end, but. Yeah, great player, player in his day. His day. Yeah. yeah. Until, yeah. He, until when, he discovered the Toby Carvery and then that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you know, when it's all said and done, we'll be looking at him at one of, you know, one of our finest players to ever play in that position. So, yeah. 
All jokes aside, um, yeah. Um, so we get in a halftime, 2-0, Paul, and it's all looking pretty rosy. And the game's over as a contest in the 55th minute when um, Mo gets his goal. Um, great corner in, I think it was from Robbo. Darwin gets the flick on for the assist. Obviously, he was going for goal. And um, Mo taps it in at the back post. Nice little run at the back post there. Um, nice for him to get a goal at the cop end after this uh, week of just non-stop fucking nonsense and noise. Um, for me, like, this has just been a, a, a friggin' joke for, since day one, really. There's been no indication that he wants to go at all. The agent came out and actually said a couple of weeks ago that he wouldn't have signed the contract with Liverpool if he had any intention going whatsoever. Like, Salah's agent hasn't necessarily been a bastion of integrity in the way he's acted in the past, but this was a clear sign that it wasn't going to happen. Like, the club have been pretty adamant that it wasn't going to happen. Um, we, we, From what we know about the Saudis and the way they operate and the way they like to just keep themselves in the news cycle all the time, like, and you've had... People were just losing their fucking minds on the forum. I, for some of the listeners might not know that the Liverpool way has like some really really active web forums as well uh where you know hundreds of people gather and chat about the red so if you haven't checked them out liverpoolway.co.uk and you'll find the forums they're pretty easy they can be really fun but also quite fucking hysterical at times as well and people were losing their minds about this creating all these weird hypotheticals about him downing tools and you know and you're looking at a man who is like one of the ultimate professionals that we've ever seen play for the club. His record speaks for himself. His his injury record is beyond anybody's we've ever seen. The, the way he looks after himself. Um, just a constant, incredible performer. And some of the noise around this has just been fucking ridiculous. So I guess the point I'm making is it's good today that it was business as usual. Mo played well. He scored a goal at the cop end in a Liverpool win at Anfield. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I thought he, he, he I thought he did play really well. I thought he had a great game. Um, just on the stuff about people's expectations of him, I don't think he's ever really shaken that off. I think there's always been an element who want to see the worst in him. Do you remember all the bullshit about Mane and you know they don't like each other and he's selfish? I just don't buy that. He's not a self. He's just a forward. He's a goal scorer. He's a hungry goal scorer. Every everyone who's every player that's ever played the game who scores in big numbers is greedy. You know, that's just the way people are so quick to criticise him, where the, the same criticisms are not levelled at other, other big goal scorers. Just, I just find bizarre. Um, I, I think Dave and I were chatting about this on the way up to the game when we were walking up from the chippy up to, the, uh, up to Anfield. And I think both of us feel that he's, he's a guy who's always had his eye on legacy. He's very aware of, of individual accolades. He's very aware of uh, records. You know, I've heard it said a number of times that he's, he's, he's conscious of where he is in the all-time scorers list. I don't think he will do anything to damage his legacy at Liverpool. Now, that's not to say that he won't leave Liverpool and that he won't go to Saudi, because I think, you know, if you're Mo Salah, you're not only the biggest sporting icon in the Middle East, you're probably one of the biggest faces full stop outside of maybe a couple of presidents or, or prime ministers in, across the Middle East. Plus, he's a Muslim, you know, uh, Saudi Arabia is the home of Mecca. You know, so maybe, maybe there is a there is a big draw culturally, um, and in terms of his family to go to Saudi at some point. And also, you know, let's not pretend if someone offers him one and a half million pound a week, that's you know, that that's going to turn anyone's head. But I will be absolutely stunned uh, if he leaves in any way that leaves us all with a sour taste in our mouths. That said, I don't rule out him going in January, uh, although I don't think it's likely, and I think it's probably 
almost certain that this is our last season watching Mo play football at, uh, for Liverpool. Um, but I don't think he's done anything wrong. As you said, Remy Abbas came out and made that comment. Didn't need to say anything. I mean, I saw um, uh, 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 John, John B., a friend of ours, of all of ours, on Twitter, we had a not a full and out at all, just a quick a quick couple of lines back and forth to each other on Twitter the other day. John had made some comments that he was just he just was pissed off that it hadn't all been shut down. Mo could just say something and shut it all down. I just made the point to him that well, his, his agent kind of did do that a few weeks ago, and what's he supposed to do? Just come out and say something every single time. Sky Sports News like does an on the hour headline about Saudi Arabia wants. Want Salah? I mean, I just don't think it's credible that he can just keep coming out and kiboshing it every ten minutes. In his mind, he's you know he's been in training all week. Uh, he's obviously enjoyed himself in training. He's played really well today. His his uh, his agent, his lawyers made that comment a couple of weeks ago. Anything else is just is just irrelevant to him and to us. You know, maybe maybe he is thinking about going. In fact, I'll be amazed if he's not considering going to Saudi. But I think he's professional enough to be able to compartmentalise that until the time is right. And I think he will only do it when the time is right. He is not going to do anything to sour his legacy because he knows already he is one of the greatest players Liverpool have ever had. And he doesn't want anything to leave a sour taste in anyone's mouths um, once he's left Once he's left Liverpool. So uh, I've got no problem with him at all. And from what I've seen today and this season so far, I think he's going to have a great season. Dave, you go along with that? Mostly, uh, or the only thing I'd say is I do think if Liverpool accepted like a, a crazy offer, I think Mo would would happily go. But there's not. But that's a not chance. inconsistent with what I've said, is it? Mate? No, no. I don't I, think. What what I'm saying is like he would go like now, like if if they came in with like a, a massive bid and Liverpool were like, okay, that's what now whatever that number is, there will be a number that we would of course, sell. Yeah. Now it may. It, it, I'd like to think it's going to be an astronomically, stupidly high number, for a variety of reasons. But I think Mo is quite happy to go there because the the, the amount of money that is being offered is just ridiculous. But I also have absolutely no doubt whatsoever that if Liverpool keep turning down bids and say no, he's not going anywhere. Mo is not going to cause any kind of problem. He's not going to down tools. He's not going to say like I want to go. And it, it's just he'll just go with whatever. Like if Liverpool say he's not leaving, he's happy to stay. If Liverpool accept a bid, then he'll go and he'll you know he'll he'll make a, an absolute shitload of money. But there's no way that Mo's gonna. He's not going to be a dickhead about it. He just isn't. You know he's not. And I thought he played really well today. I don't think in his head he's thinking that he's going to be leaving. I think he'd be really surprised if we did accept a bid because mm. it would have to be like a, a, a really stupid number. Um, I'm, without getting bogged down on this too much, but like I, I don't think they're serious. I, I don't think think if they were serious, they would have come in weeks ago with that offer as a starting point. Not like mm. making an offer that there was not a chance in hell we were going to accept, and they've done it on deadline day. You know, we we wouldn't have accepted that offer like a month ago. Never mind on, on on deadline day, we'd be like, well, you know, come back with a bigger offer. M- maybe we'll consider it, but not with like, not with what they offered. Plus, it was, it's a verbal offer made over the phone apparently to Mike Gordon. Well, how's that got out there then? It's not Mike Gordon telling people about it. I'll fucking tell you that mm-hmm. for nothing. So the whole thing, it's just, it's a PR stunt. It's all trying to keep them relevant, keep everyone talking about them, keep them in the news cycle. Uh, and like I said to you, like the other week, Chris, it's exactly what they did with the golf. It's the it's yeah. the exact same game plan, where like, so like Mo's agent come out and and dismissed it a few weeks ago, and Paul said then, well, is he supposed to do it every time? 
Well, no, but that's exactly what happened with the golf. It's like John Ram comes out and goes, no, I'm, it's not true. I'm, I'm not going there. And then the story goes away that somebody else getting linked to him. And then a month later, it's like John Ram's going to live golf. And John Ram's like, look, have I got to come out and say this every single time? Because you don't want to be doing that. And Mo's not going to want to be doing it because in his head, he's probably thinking, I'm going to end up there at some point. I don't want to offend them. So he's probably best just saying nothing and just letting it play out now. So I've got no no problem with Mo or his agent not shooting it down. I mean, when he shot it down the first race, that was probably before they were offering 1.5 million a week, or what they're supposedly ready to pay him now. So again, you know, there's a number that Mo will be like, yeah, I would go for that. And there'll be a number that Liverpool would say, mm, okay, yeah, we'll take that. But I don't think they're going to go high enough to, to, to meet that number because I don't think they're that serious. Um, now a year down the line, if they offer 150 million, I think we'd take it next summer. But with one year left, yeah, on we're not the deal. going to take it now. Why would we? There's absolutely no reason for us to take that right now because we yeah. can't buy a replacement. So the the question would be, me and Paul were talking about this. It's like, well, what would the number be that would make us go, okay, yeah, we'll sell them now? And I don't think they would go as high as that. And like they could do. You know, they're, they're constantly going on about, oh, look how much money we've got to spend. We'll throw it around. Well, yeah. you're not throwing it around at the clubs, are you? You might be throwing it at the players, but they're not paying, right. like, massive transfer fees. So it's like, you know, if, tell you what, come in and you start talking 250 million and we'll have a conversation, but, like, if anything yeah. less than that, fuck off. No, we're not even entertaining. Yeah, I think, I think just coming in on that, um, Dave, just to, just to pick up Chris on what Dave said there about us chatting about it earlier, I think we both felt... That what we want, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, what we want from Saud, the Saudis to take Mo is, yeah, probably next summer we want this season out of him, and we want enough to maybe sign three players. We want a, the replacement for Mo, we want a centre half, and we want maybe a right back, and then just a little bit, of, a little bit of change on top as well, just as a fuck you, mm-hmm. just as a, we're not having our pants taken down by anybody, just to absolutely make it clear to everyone that the sale has gone ahead on our terms. Um, and you've tried to fuck us about, and yeah, you've got the player that you wanted, and we've, and we're happy for him to go, and we, we want him to go with our blessing. But it's going to be, our, it's going to be with our blessing on our terms, and everyone's happy. Um, and I think, you know, I don't, I don't rule out that coming to pass. Really, I think, I think, what, you know, this window. Say again? No, this... no, 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 no. In, in a year's time. Yeah. In a year's time, I think, I think we'll, we'll end up getting what we want in a year's time. I think it will go. The way we want it to go. The, the only caveat to that is, is that I think we're going to sign some of those players in January. Um, well, we should do before the prices go up yeah, when we've got the yeah, salary money. Yeah. So are we yeah. all are we all thinking no chance this window, no matter what? Yeah, I'm thinking that. I'm definitely thinking that. I would even say I tell him to fuck off in January as well, and I tell him to fuck off next summer and try and get Mo to sign a new contract because the way he looks after himself. He can keep doing this for five more years, put in 25 goals in a season in the, in the top league in the world and um, being a valuable contributor to us. And even, you know, Paul, you talked about legacy. Like that's the way to really cement the legacy is to just keep doing it at the highest level, not doing what necessarily Ronaldo has done. Um, I think there's there's no doubt in my mind that Salah could keep performing at the top level for another four or five years well, still to come. You think he's turning down whatever's happening at Liverpool? You think he's turning down 1.5 mil a week? I don't know. In into his mid thirties, I'd be staggered if he did, to be honest. And I'm I, yeah. I'm not even saying that as a criticism. I, it doesn't mean I wouldn't be trying to convince him of, of yeah. that though. You know, I would I I wouldn't be actively looking to cash in on him. I'd be actively looking to keep hold of him. All I would say to that, Chris, is I think anybody who 
rules out what you're saying, doesn't understand Mo Salah. I, 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 I'm not saying what you're saying is likely, that he does another five years at the top of his game, but I think, at, at, at the, you know, the top of the sports, but I just think he cannot rule that out with him. He is a bit of a freak. You know, physically, in terms of his mentality, in terms of his how competitive he is, everything about him, he's a genuine all-time great who I still think is underestimated. Um, and I think it would be absolutely crazy to dismiss that what you've just said there, whether it's likely or not, is another matter. But I certainly don't think you can. I don't think you can rule that out at all. Um, and if I that mean, were to happen, who could have any complaints? You know what I mean? You'd have. You, he would be inarguably, you know, one of our all-time greats ever. Um, and what a what a what a statement that is when you consider who's played for Liverpool. Well, as far as I'm concerned, he's he's the best player of the best Liverpool team I've ever seen. So that's that's the way I look at him. And I I I, just, I would just I don't really I don't really as where I'm at at the moment now is I don't really give a shit about how much money the club gets for players and that kind of stuff. I'd rather I'd rather just keep the the fucking good players that we've got as long as they're performing at the highest level. Like I'm not worried about all that other. Shit, that's for the money people to worry about. I'm a fan. I like watching Mo Salah play football for Liverpool. Like, yeah. all the business stuff around it, I couldn't give a flying fuck about it because more often than not, the, the club are only spending a fraction of what they're making anyway. So why does it matter to the likes of me and you whether we get £250 million for him? Because Well, because it gets, you, know, you use it to, like, to rebuild the team, don't you? So, for example... Well, I, you know, I look at what, with that, look at what we got for Coutinho. We got stupid money for Coutinho. It was like, way but we've also more. earned, stu- we've also earned stupid money. That's it. Yeah, I and... agree with. Yeah, it's a different argument though. It's like, why are they not spending like this money? We know that like they don't like spending. You know, they, they don't like taking risks. They're not spending. It's basically spend what we bring in on transfers plus a bit on top. We know that that's how they operate, and you know we could talk about that all day. Bottom line is. If they sold Salah for like just just throw a number out there, let's say two hundred and fifty million, I think what what could you do with that? And if you're it's like Coutinho goes and we get Allison, Van Dyke, Fabinho, like those three players, and completely transform the team for like the next four or five years, whatever it was, you can do that again with like a thirty two year old Mo Salah who you know you talk about he could still be doing it when he's thirty six, thirty seven, maybe so, but. His, his best days are going to be behind him at that point, and he's he's only going one way from here. Now it may be a very slow decline. I'm not saying he's going to fall off a cliff, but we've seen the best of Mo Salah, and everything from now is going to be like slightly not as good. So if you do get that kind of money, and you can bring in a new player who turns out to be similar to Mo Salah, you know we've we've done it before. We've replaced great players with other great players. So if you can do that and also get two other players in, like I'm not saying we should be selling Mo Salah to like Bayern Munich for forty million, like we did with Sadio. This isn't mm-hmm. that. You know I would keep him forever rather than do yeah. something like that. Yeah. But when when like they're coming in with like stupid money and you can you can say well yeah. You've got all of this money. You want to offer us 150? We'll come back with 250 if you want them. Maybe they do. You know, like probably not because he'll only have a year left at that point. So you're probably looking at like 100, 150 next summer. But I think you've got to take that. And and I think Mo would would be like, he's happy to stay this year. And then I think next summer he'd be like, okay, um, this is like crazy money. I'm taking it. That's what I think will how it will play out. I don't think we'll sell them now because I don't think they're that serious about getting them. They just want people to think they are and have Sky Sports News and the Daily Mail constantly running stories about it. I mean, 
don't forget, they had one of their TV stations last week saying that it was a done deal and he was flying over for a medical after the Newcastle game. And we all knew that was bullshit. That was a blatant lie. But somebody actually went on TV and did not say speculation that maybe. They were like categorically stating this as fact. So then that gets picked up by the media over here. Everyone's talking about it on social media. Fans are all talking about it. We're talking about it now. And this is exactly it's exactly what they want. This is how they operate. Mm -hmm. And like I say, the same thing happened with the golf to the point where they were actually paying journalists to be writing stories about them. Journalists have come out and said like they've put emails out there like that. They got emails from a company supposedly representing Live Golf. Live Golf denied it and said nothing to do with us, but it was a PR agency saying, you know, we're, we're going to pay money for you to do positive articles about Live Golf and stuff. They're paying social media influencers to put stories out about this golfers joining Live when they're not. It's all bullshit. And the same thing's happening with the footy. If you don't think that what they did with the golf is happening with the footy and that all the transfer rumours, you're in cloud cuckoo lands because that's what the, mm-hmm. this is the whole thing to get everyone talking about it, give them credibility, make this like the new happening thing where everyone's like, oh, what are the Saudis going to do next? And, you know, this Mo thing is absolute bullshit because if they wanted them, they could have done this a month, two months ago. Why do it on deadline day? Because they knew it was going to get turned down. As, as far as the money is concerned thing, um, with, without naming uh, the money for offering money to reporters and what have you, and, you know, not naming names here, yeah, and I think we can all probably dream up two or three names in our heads where we'd be yeah. like, if if anybody, it's it's them. And yeah. I'm not gonna absolutely not gonna name names here, but it's quite obvious who it would be if it was if if anybody was. I think we would all have a pretty good idea of who would be at the very very top of that list. But um, like you say, like we're playing into their hands by talking it a little bit too much. Um, we've had the three 0 win at Anfield today. Salah has scored. He's looking as professional and sharp and hungry as ever to do the business for Liverpool. So long may that continue. Um, after that third goal, though, Paul, it was kind of over as a contest, really. We we brought some substitutes on. Um, Jota and Gakpo got a run out. Harvey Elliott came on. Endo came on. And uh, we just kind of played out the rest of the time, really. It was a bit of a non-event. But there was one thing I did notice, that you guys kind of waited till uh, stoppage time to start singing Jürgen's name today, so we didn't shout at you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was sat down at that point as well. He wasn't even standing up on the touchline. But, yeah, yeah I, that what a whole lot of nonsense that is. Isn't it just shite, all of that? But, I mean, but I just... you know what? Like... If he's he doesn't totally want it, that. Yeah, totally but if he doesn't it. want us to sing it, then I just think, all right, if it means that much to you for us to not do it, then just don't do it. Yeah, but I, I, but mean, I also I, don't agree with like him telling us what we should and shouldn't do. But at the same time, it's like, okay, if you don't want it, then that's fine. Do it yeah, after the game, got, do it after. I don't, much, I don't think they've got much to add to that. I, I, I it was in the programme notes. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. I just think, I just think this no, what, is, what was it? Mind your own business, Dave. Yeah, I, I'm only going on what I read yesterday because they put the programme out the day before. Uh, so I've seen it either this morning. I think it was on This Is Anfield. They'd done something on it. Like He was he was explaining why he doesn't want the, like, the, the, the song sung during the game. And I don't agree with it. I think it's an absolute load of fucking nonsense. It's not making any difference to, to the game. It's not like we're saying the game's over. Let's sing Klopp's name. It's not that at all. But for whatever reason, he's got to be in his bonnet. And I think a lot of it is he just feels like it's tempting fate. And we've all got our own little quirks like that. You know, like some people might wear the same undies to every game until we get beat. You know, just all like random stuff like that. 
And I think Klopp just feels like it must have happened once where like the cop sung his name and we've we've blown a lead. And he's thought that's because of that, and and it's a totally irrational, <laughs> stupid thing. But we've all got those little superstitions and, and irrational things. And I'm like, he explained it, and he was like, I'm not telling you what you should and shouldn't sing. It's not about that. But I just would rather you didn't. I'm asking you not to. And I'm like, you know what? Fair enough. If you don't want that, then fine. Don't do it. That's just the, the way I look at that. Like, let's just sing Darwin's name instead. <laughs> Were you bummed when he came off today? I was, but I knew it was going to happen. As soon as I seen the subs warming up, it's like, yeah. And I think we're going to have to get used to that because I think that's part of the plan. You know, with all these midfield players that we've got Definitely. now, I think we're I'm just going to... 65, 70 well. minutes, yeah. We'll just change the midfield. There'll be weeks when we'll take all three midfielders off and it'll be like, okay, we've got fresh legs on there now. And to be fair, you've seen the difference it's made. Like last week when Harvey Elliott came on, against Newcastle, mm. he made a massive difference, you know, just for us getting on the ball, keeping the ball. So when you do make those changes, I think, like, it, we're going to have to get used to this because the, the days of, like, most of the players playing 90 minutes, I think that's gone. We're going to see two strikers off and two midfield players off around, like, 65, 70 minutes most weeks. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think any of us, commentators, fans, even players, have fully appreciated uh, the significance of five subs yet. I think I think we're gonna. I think this is gonna be the season where we all start to realise how significant five substitutes is, and I think managers are going. The managers are probably sort of getting their eye in with it over the last season and a bit, um, but I think we're going to really see it this season, particularly at the best clubs. And I think I think as Dave said there, it's there's going to be yeah, he's going to make lots of changes game to game, and the notion of a of a starting eleven, I think um, it might finally disappear at Liverpool. I think I think Klopp's held on to it. Even up to last season, you kind of knew what the team was going to be. But I think this might be the season where, you know, the absolute nailed on who his first eleven is uh, might disappear. There'll always be four or five, I think, who'll be his core players. But I think everything else might be horses for courses, given given everybody being fit, of course. Gakpo and Jota kind of... stunk the place out, by the way, when they came on. Yeah, but the whole, <laughs> yeah, the, whole the whole tempo was crap, wasn't it? Yeah. The tempo wasn't there. The game was won. No one was asked. Jota was, was out. full on, like scruffy, getting the ball stuck under his feet, tripping over. He was just in, in that full on mode. Um, he played like he'd had his sliders on in the yeah, sunshine. And... Yeah, and and Gakpo was no Darwin, was he? Nope. I'm just saying. What what does Dan call Jota? Bibbly bobbly, bibbly bobbly yeah, football. Yeah, bibbly bobbly nobbly. Yeah. He is. <laughs> he is, though. That's exactly what he is. And when it works, it's great. But you get days like today where, yeah, it's not working. What? What? How, how would Dan describe uh, Jota, Dave? Yeah, wibbly, wobbly, bobbly. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he did a Godfather impression outside the match today as well, by the way. Oh, man. Oh, was yeah, that after like... I went in? You'd gone in, Paul, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, damn, um, you rip-off merchants. It was one of the lads who listens to the pod. He used to play footy with us, and he come over and he was talking to Dan, and he said something, and, and Dan just went into, like, Dan Corleone <laughs> mode. It was great. Oh. <laughs> Bloody hell. You know, like, today was a day, it's it's always more prevalent at the start of the season when I'm not around. And I said to my missus before the game, like, she was she was still in bed and I came in. I was just like, oh, I really wish I could be there today. Like, the sun is shining and it's, you know, the start of this sort of, like, new era. Everybody's going to be buzzing about what happened last year. It would be lovely to see the lads get in the pub before the game. And now I feel even worse because I missed Dan's Dan Corleone impression, yeah. so it made me feel even more homesick. Yeah, I but, think um, he was talking about uh, the the Saudis coming for Mo, and like 
like the the lad was talking about it and and him and I just like just heard Dan just going, They'll make him an offer. We can't refuse. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good that day. That was that was pretty good. That was a good Dan. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. Um well going building on Paul's point, Dave, about um you know, the substitutions we, we're going to see coming in and uh, freshen up the midfield and whatever. Like, the, the great contradiction here is, you know, people are complaining, not necessarily complaining, but a little bit mystified about why we've brought Gravenberg, which is apparently how you pronounce his name. Um, I've been calling him Gravenberg all summer. Right, that's what I've been um, yeah, right. Um, but oh, Dave, Dave, hang on, Chris. Dave will, Dave will oh, definitely keep calling that. Ask him, ask him, ask him how he, ask him how he pronounces the French pastries that you can have for your breakfast. Because <laughs> he's too embarrassed to no, say it the proper way. I don't like saying it. I feel like that's self-conscious when I say it. It's like that pretentious, so I just call him so, so, <laughs> so he's never gonna say Gravenberg. No, he's gonna say Gravenberg. And fucking because he calls croissant. Because he calls croissant croissant. Yesterday, went to Landudno yesterday, and Jules is having a go at me for not calling it Landudno. I was like, no, it's Landudno, and he's like, no, it's not. And I'm like, I'm not Welsh. If I was Welsh, I'd say it like that. I'm not Welsh, so if I say it like that, I'm gonna sound like a dickhead. I'll just call it Landudno. Yeah, but you say croissants, Dave, and you're not getting away with it. Because I'm not French. Croissants. <laughs> There's nothing more pretentious than people going, oh, croissant, ha 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 ha. It's like, no, you just sound like a fucking. <laughs> it's not, you're not French. It's just. That was so offensive. It's totally. That was offensive. It's totally pretentious, like when if you're not French and you say that. It's so pretentious getting names right. No, it's not, you're not yeah. French. It's, you're saying it like French. and It's, just it's a French word. There, there isn't an English word. And if it's you're French, French yeah, that's fine. It sounds great. But when you're not French, it just sounds weird. Okay. Croissant sounds weird, mate. I know it does. There's, there's, no easy way, fucking... there's no easy way of saying it. It's the lesser of two evils for me. Just C-W-O-I-S-A-N-T. Croissant. Yeah. See, fucking... so you sound like a knobhead. He doesn't. He sounds he like somebody who's talking about French like food. I don't like it. All right, we're gonna to have to revisit this. There's not enough time. This is this is gonna become a theme. Dave's fucking pronunciations of of words. Um, right. So back to my original point. We've bemoaned for ages the absence of numbers in midfield, right? Like you were unavailable players. Fucking everybody's either old or legs have gone or injured, and we haven't signed enough midfielders or whatever. Well, now we have, and they're all young and vibrant and in their very early 20s. So this can only be a positive to me to have that number and talent in that position. Yeah, I just... Yeah, with Gravenberch, is like... As I say, I just thought, why are we signing another player of that type when we've got, like... Is that going to set back Harvey and Curtis, for example? Also, I mean, I've been reading recently, there's a lot of people saying that Bajetic's best position is going to be as one of, like, the eights rather than the defensive player. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think he's, like, perfect to be groomed as, like, the six. Um, and, yeah, you've still got Thiago to come back into the mix as well. So we have got a shitload of midfield players now. Oh, we really have. Which, again, that's where the substitutions are going to come in. And I also think the Europa League is going to be big for us just for getting people minutes. Because you're playing with like three plus Trent, and you've got what? How many have we got now? Eight, nine. We've got a fucking lot. Like, do you know the other thing as well, Dave? Is and and, and this is not based on anything I know about these players, but I'm starting to think: are they are they seeing the um, are they seeing like the solution 
for centre-half from amongst all these new players or some of these midfielders or some of these players who've come in and the right-back thing because otherwise it just makes absolutely zero sense to me that we've not signed that left-footed um, sort of hybrid centre-half full-back type player. You know, you then start to think, I mean, God forbid, but because he hasn't played there for ages and he's not very tall, does Endo drop back in there? Are they going to put Gravenberch in there? I mean, he plays left side of midfield. Are they yeah. going to think, you know, Gravenberch maybe maybe right back because he's you know he's played in the Dutch system. He came through the Ajax academy and they change positions as a matter of course when they're coming through there. There's all kinds of questions in my mind because what what I would say is if you think about the two big crises we've had with selection over the last few seasons, there was the horrendous. Was it January 21, I think it was, the horrendous centre-half debacle when we got yeah. Ben Davis and the other fella, and we had no-one fit to play centre-half. Uh, and then the midfield crisis that we, we were having last season. We'd always... You'd think we'd learnt our lesson. So I, I, I know for a fact, because I've, I've read the accounts, that the money was there to buy another player, at least another player this summer. They clearly haven't. I suspect there's some elements of truth to what you're saying about they like to, there's a particular one they want to wait for like they've waited for other players in the past. But I just think it leaves us so light, given what we know about the fragility physically of Gomez, of Matip, and Canate, of Canate. Yeah. So, so I'm just wondering, I, I, not that I see anything in the games of these players, I don't know enough about them, but I'm just wondering if they maybe think Gravenberch is so versatile, he can do this for us, he can do that for us, he can help us out there, he can fill those gaps. Um, I'm not really someone who's a fan of that at all. I do like a utility player. I mean, who can't love James Milner? But you, you really want a player like that coming in. I mean, that's really what's cost Gravenberch his, his buy-in career in some senses, that he's, he's, they've moved him around a little bit in the team and he's not been able to hold down a place anywhere. I, I, I want him to come in and, and you know, someone who feels he's a, he's, a, he's a part of the team and a part of the squad as soon as possible. Um, but that's my only thought around that, really, about the signing of him, because, it, as you say, it just seems crazy how many... How many midfielders we've got now? I mean, clearly there's an element of I think now Thiago is going to go, um, might go in January if we got the right offer from where whoever, but he's certainly not going to get another contract. So I think there's an element of we've got Thiago's replacements already now in terms of numbers. The players that are here are the players that are going to be our midfield moving forward. I don't think we're going to sign someone to replace Thiago when he when he eventually leaves, but I just think there has to be some other angle to it because the the lack of defensive cover now you know Trent with his hamstring today we haven't got a recognisable right back at the club um, the, 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 the uh, have, selection issues he's, he's needed that centre back <laughs> so yeah yeah we haven't yeah, got the one. selection issues we've got um, with Virgil and all yeah it, it just maybe maybe that's in the mix but I, I think only time will tell I think that uh, Gravenberch we, we've spoke about this Paul and like, we think there's a reasonable chance that he is going to be kind of Trent back up as well. You know, I'm not saying that's going to be his yeah. only role, but yeah. I do think he's got the physical skill set that he could do that playing at right technique. back, moving into midfield. I think he could do that. Uh, and I think that's maybe something he's going to have to do because there's nobody else to do it. That's the yeah. things like we were talking like before the game who plays right back in the Europa League? Because if the plan was Connor Bradley, well, he's out for months, he's got a stress fracture of the back, so it's not going to be him. Joe Gomez would have been your next option, except he's needed to play centre back. So 
who's going to who's going to do it? Who's going to and and is it just going to be an orthodox right back, or are we going to get somebody to to do what Trent does with or a view even, to having an understudy? I don't know. Well, like, that's why, like, I think even if it's an orthodox right back, who is it? James Milner's gone. Yeah, Calvin Ramsey's out on loan for the season. I don't know what we do. That's the thing. It's, it's weird that we've not addressed that. And going back to the point about the left-sided centre back, it's not so much that we didn't sign one. That's like the weird thing to me. It's that we didn't really miss out on any either. I mean, okay, you can say that the lads at Chelsea, but I don't know how serious we were about that. We never bid for them. You know, it's not like we've tried and failed to get someone in. It's like we just didn't even try. And and that's like bizarre to me, but it's yeah, clearly it it's clearly on Klopp. It's Klopp's decision to do that. And like people can go on about like the owners or whatever. But Klopp had a budget to spend. Now, we can argue whether that's enough, whether he should have had a bigger budget and all that, and it's all valid. But the fact is, he's got a budget to spend, and he's chose not to go and get a defensive midfielder, which we've spoke about because we think we're going in a different direction. What we view as a number six... and well, what, he did get what, one. Yeah, but as I say, squad player, not going to play every game. Uh, but what we're looking at is, is not really what he's looking at. You know, He's obviously going in a different direction there, which is fair enough. Uh, we'll see how that plays out, but the not going for the defender, like it's a it's a conscious decision, and he's not done it. You yeah, know, it's not like he he tried and failed, couldn't get players, or like we just didn't have the money to to do anything. He, he didn't. He did not do it. He chose to go with midfield players. Now, in fairness, I said like at the end of last season, I would be happy to get Bellingham one other, and then just address the defense. You know, down the line, I I would take that. You know, you can't fix everything in one window, was what I said, and I stand by that. And I'm not massively bothered that we didn't get the defender. If the plan is, we know who we want to get, and it's going to be like January or even like next next year, whenever it is, because we did that with Canate when we went for Ben Davis and Ozan Kabak. When we went for those deals, we could have like paid a lot of money for Canate, but like he wasn't available till till the following summer. So instead of moving on to somebody else, it's like this is who we want. We'll just get these in. We'll make do for now, and Canate comes in in the summer. So whether like there's a similar thing in the background where they know who they want for that position and they're prepared to wait, or if he just wants to take the risk and he's like, yeah, we as long as we don't get injuries, we can get by with what we've got, but. Or maybe like Jarrell Quance is a lot more advanced than any of us think he is. I mean, he has looked good in the two games he's played, but as I say, you know, if that's a Europa League thing. I want to see him playing in the Europa League, getting his experience there. Um, I just feel I like think it's, there was an I'm... intent behind bringing him on today. That's that sense that says something to me. Yeah, well, Trent went off. On today. Who else were we going to put on? It's not in like we had. Bringing... The only thing you could have done was put Costas on at right yeah, back, that's a good maybe. Point. And and I do think. Costas may end up playing there yeah. because he's 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 more two footed than Robbo. I'm not saying he's got a great right foot, but he's he's got a decent right foot, and I think Costas may end up being the back up right back. Which is do you know my right? issue really on this? Yeah. My, I, 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 a lot of what you said there, Dave, make, makes a lot of sense. But my real issue with all of this is 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 twofold: is that we we shouldn't be at the level that we're at anyway but also the level we're, we're aiming to get back to. We shouldn't be in a make-do-and-mend situation. This is a summer where we've gone for, we've ended up going for big renewal. They also knew that they were going to need a left side. You know, Virgil's 32. You know, they know how old Virgil is. They know they haven't got another left-sided centre-forward. Uh, sorry, centre-back at the club. They also know for a fact that they've changing, they're changing the system because they started doing it last season. So why have they not started to put in place 
some sort of succession plan for that. That's that's my first point. So the whole make do and mend thing, I just think is is mad. I also I do take your point. They might think the player's not available, but I think Liverpool's definition of available and other clubs' definition of available are different. I don't think we're quite aggressive enough sometimes when we want some of these players. We can't just accept the first no, not available and just to be the nice guys and not bug people. I think we need to be a little bit tougher with that. In the same way, I think we need to be a little bit tougher about not letting players run their contracts all the way down. Definitely. The other other thing that that really bothers me is that, and people can say what they want about it's pie in the sky, you'll never know, the money isn't there. Josco Guardiol was available this summer. He's a player that we know Liverpool like. He's a player who basically looks like Virgil Mark II. Um, he's perfect for the system that we want to play. And he's he was basically fluttering his eyelids at Liverpool last summer. He is putting pictures online of it being a Liverpool shirt when he was a kid, going to the games, talking about all the big matches with his dad. He basically was saying, I want to play for Liverpool, please sign me. And we haven't done anything about it. And I am, I am telling you, if you've read the accounts, the money is there. They could have gone for him and they just didn't bother. And I don't understand. I don't understand at all. Um, and, and I think that's that's kind of what it bothers me about the whole thing is that we're in this whole make do and men cycle and we just shouldn't be at that stage now you know we paid the price for that a couple of times in the past where we've waited too long to, to get into the to get really into the meat and, meat and bones of renewal and paid the price for it and I think we, we need to be smarter we, we look to me like we're not learning our lessons mm-hmm. I'm not going to go over all the old ground about you know sporting directors and what have you but I just think there's I've come out of the window pleased with the business that we've done you know, I think we've, okay. got, we've signed some players who are all going to be great, but I, I just think there's gaps that shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. I've got like a slightly different slightly different take on the whole thing with, with the signing of Kravenberg. Um, are you going to do that all cro- season? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. wonder if he likes croissants for his breakfast. Um, but if you look at all the players that we, we've signed um, this summer, Sobislay, you look at him and there's an element of you looking at his performance today that think you make him think, make you think that he could fill in for Mo on that right hand side. You look at McAllister, he's an eight yeah. playing in six. Like they bought Endo with the knowledge that he can drop into centre half as well. I think like there's a movement in basketball, for instance, called positionless basketball, and it's all about like the way that they bring players through as kids to be able to do everything to be able. To to play every position, not necessarily a forward or a point guard or a centre or whatever. They're raised to just play every position. And the result of that now, years down the line, is that you've got these seven foot three guys who can knock down three pointers as good as anybody in the league. When before they'd just be trawling back and forth to the basket, standing on, underneath the rim and looking for, you know, rebounds and dunks and that kind of stuff. And I think we've we've taken the approach that Every player that we've signed in this window, there's that f- element of flexibility about them where they can fulfil multiple positions and fill in in multiple yeah. ways. And I think that's something that we're, you know, we're looking for more and more out of out of the players that we've got in the squads. They've all got more than one thing going on with them, really. Um, and I'm 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 kind of fine with that. Like if if it does turn out that the young Dutch lad can fill in for Trent at right back I think that's great what a fucking bonus that is as well if you can mould these players into doing oh, yeah, I mean, jobs then you basically I, I, I... absolutely who, who could argue with that but the proof is in the pudding isn't it and we haven't seen it yet and we don't even actually know for a fact that that's what Klopp's going to do we're kind of surmising aren't we I think um, he's got no choice I, I mean I think I think yeah yeah true I think ultimately we'll have to see what happens and I, you know I'll come back to the point I've made many 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 times before 
is there a single Liverpool fan who hasn't had egg on the, egg on the face about uh, a, a position Klopp's taken over something? We've all, at various times, each of probably, us have thought, why are we doing that? That's, <laughs> He's that's never crazy. Wrong. Well, no, Stu's feeding, Stu's probably feeding Klopp all these ideas in the first yeah. place. Um, I think uh, we, all of us have had egg on our face when we've called Klopp out over things in the past. Um, and I've commented on that a number of times over the last couple of pods about how you know we've learned to trust him. And and Chris, maybe you're right. We maybe I mean, and ultimately I do I do trust him. And, and we're going to see we're now going to see what's going to happen, aren't we? But I just at this stage, it's not seeing the strategy that bothers me. If if the strategy was laid out, if I hear, if I was told this is the strategy, I'd I'd be hundred percent buying into it. It's when we're having to kind of like try and scramble around in the dark, trying to imagine what the strategy might be that bothers me, I think, mm-hmm. really. If he'd but said I think it that in the press from conferences... But he could have told us about above. why he's not gone for a defender, you know, like... Yeah, and he, yeah, he, he could have done. He's not said anything, so, you know, I, I need to know why, what's the thinking behind that. And, and if it is a case of, like, we can't fix everything in one window, we've done the midfield and we'll address that next time, then okay. But... Um, it is weird that we never went for anybody. It's it's just I don't really understand the thinking behind it. But and when I say strategy, I'm not talking about the money. I think Klopp could have done more business if he'd wanted to, and Agreed, I think he's made yeah. the he's made the decision that he's gonna. This is what he's gonna do, and that's that. Yeah, I agree, and I think there's an element of him that's fine with that. Like he, no, it, yeah, it's, yes, it's evident I, in yeah. the way that he plays football, Paul. It's evident in the way he plays football and the way he approaches yeah, the game. Yeah. He likes to live on the edge a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, I like, think that's a great point, Chris. I just, I suppose, what I'm saying is, I just want to see. I want to have the strategy confirmed. Once I know that he, he's going to think, time will tell, won't it? But when he has to play somebody different at centre half or at right back, and it works, then we'll go. Ah, so it was that. Fine. He's would got he, a solution in yeah, his head. We he will knew where he was going and it's we'll, worked. We'll get it. We yeah. will get that confirmation. I know we will. It's not but going at this to be point, until next at this summer. Point it's, when, at this point, it's very frustrating, is what I'm saying. But we're going to have to wait uh, for Pep Linder's next book, uh, Intensity <laughs> Strikes Back. <laughs> <laughs> and then the trilogy, <laughs> Return of the Intensity. <laughs> oh, God. Right. Well, when did you write that? You normally you normally rehearse those gags on us before the pods. No, that, that, that just, just, that that just came to me, flash of inspiration. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, so, Paul, uh, just very quickly because we've been going quite a while now. Uh, so, grade the window out of ten. Ooh, oh, absolute minimum seven, maybe yeah. an eight, seven or an eight. I think it depends Dave. on how things turn out. Seven, I think we've done the bare minimum. I mean, in terms of the players we brought in, I really like the players themselves. Yeah, yeah. In terms same. of addressing needs, I, I think. If you go back to the start of the summer, what we all thought we were going to do, four or five signings, that was before Henderson and Fabinho left, mm-hmm. and you look at what we've done, as I say, I think it's bare minimum, but the, the quality of the players that we've brought, I'm saying that based on, on two of them. The others, you know, we haven't seen Gravenberch play yet. And Enzo's only played a couple of matches. He's, it's going to take him a little bit of time to to fit in. But you know the other two lads look like fucking dynamite. So yeah, yeah it's a seven for me. Okay. What about yeah. you? I I think I I think I'd probably go as high as an eight, considering what we had to deal with with losing two players that we weren't expecting to. Um, some other 
some other I mean there was there was definitely some swings and misses and we we didn't handle things very well at points like the whole Lavia and mm. Caicedo things were a bit of a joke that the whole Levi Colwell thing was a was a fucking joke as well we were never getting him in a million years and I would feel a little bit better if we had signed another centre half but I think I'm relatively I'm happy you know like we've kept who we needed to and we've yeah we've addressed where we were at we've addressed our main flaw of last season which was the press falling apart because the midfield lost its legs so um yeah i feel good i feel good i mean it helps that we got 10 points from 12 and we're going into a two-week break like sitting nicely two points off the top of the table unbeaten and just had a really nice win at home that reminded us of you know much much more dominant days so also good as far as I'm concerned. After what happened last year against Villa, it was it was nice to yeah. set the record straight there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll tell you something today. It was eighty minutes before I actually noticed that Villa fans were in the stadium. I'd totally forgotten about them. Yeah, they didn't I did at not all, did they? hear a Until peep out of them. Yeah. And then 80 minutes, because I said That's to John, I was like, I haven't heard a peep from these. And then like 80 minutes in, so yip yay, yip yay. I'm like, oh, <laughs> fucking hell. Yeah, they've, <laughs> they've remembered the fucking voices, the pricks. And then didn't they start singing the National, national anthem? anthem. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that, that whole National Anthem thing, it's like, it's the most Aston Villa thing ever where they think they're being so fucking witty and so clever. And it's like, Tory yeah, as fuck. every dickhead who come here do that. You know, there's nothing original about what you're doing, lads. And it doesn't get under our skin. It doesn't bother us. It doesn't bother me. All it does is just makes me think, oh, you fucking sad bastards. It's like, yeah. it's just so embarrassing. Like, just pathetic. You're down, lads. Yeah, it's pathetic. <sighs> but it's down. just Villa. They're the king of fucking banter, aren't they? Just yeah. Villa and Wolves, the two worst banter merchant fans. Who do you think would win in a banter off between Villa and Wolves? Oh, the goalless draw. very good Um, so I think you know the the window probably deserved its own pod but unfortunately it closed on a Friday night and we had a game on a Sunday so it didn't justify it from that end but I think we've covered some good ground there Um, anything else that you guys want to talk about heading into the break um, or about today's game before we call it a night just just a final point from me just on the window is to say that I'm just glad it's done now, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 that we've had that performance straight after the window was closed. I think it just, it just kind of we it just everyone's unsettled, aren't they, by a transfer window? Yeah, there's a shadow over see, everything. Yeah, and I'm just glad that it's behind us, and I'm glad that you know when I when I said I'd give it a minimum of seven, possibly an eight, that might sound sort of a bit incongruous of what I've said about the questions over the centre half, but for me, it's that it's kind of Dave's point about two two of the players already just look sensational so and I am I've always been half glass full I always want to want to look at what's what's coming next what the positives are it's been a great first few games the windows behind us and now and I know Klopp will be buzzing about the fact that he can just get on with doing what he does best which is you know training the team preparing them for games and I also think we're going to get into a I, I think we've got a real possibility now with the squad that we've got. Winning the title. Of, Is that where you're going? Of, no, no, no. Of, of, <laughs> of, of competing. I'm, I'm not changing. I'm sticking with second. I'm sticking uh, with second. You're backtracking from I, the ghost pod. What, what was that? No, that when you, you were tipping that, us for the league on, that, on like that, the, the that, pod. That pod, that pod has never been played. Um, I've still got it. I can put it I, out at any point. On the, first, on the first pod where we gave our predictions, I said second and I'm sticking with that. Um, but I just think now that there's a good chance that we're almost going to have sort of two good sides, one for the Cups and one for the league, and there'll be a bit of crossover between the two. But I think that will give Klopp the time on the training ground 
to continue to develop the teams for specific games. So we'll get into a really good rhythm of um, of performance and hopefully then results. I think so that's I, massive, I, I, you know, that point you just made. Yeah, I, I just I just feel I feel positive that that I just feel like it's going to be a good season, and I, and you know so and and I think the transfer business that we've done has contributed to that. But I'm delighted that the window's shut and we can just get on with it now. Yeah, I think it's going to be a fun season. Where that's yeah. going to take us, who knows? But it's going to be enjoyable watching this team, and it will be a bit Definitely. of a roller coaster at times. Stupid goals you give away, and you know silly points that we drop as a result of it. But by and large, it's going to be a lot of fun watching this team, and they are going to score a shitload of goals. Definitely, especially if Darwin's playing every game. Which yeah, well, big. he's going to have to start putting some in. I think his, his ticket into the team is is putting those chances away, and he, that way, I think he, if he gets the goals, that he's got he a goal and an assist that's... today. What more do you want? <laughs> I don't know what your I don't know what your expectations are. Goal and assist. Yeah, ex- you can't ask for any more than that. Okay, all right. Um, and if you want so to take start... the, the chippy knobhead view, then okay, he's, he's got two assists. We've won 3 0, right. and two of the goals are a direct result of him. You just put the Premier League in the Chippy Knob haven't you? The, the Premier League have been in the Chippy Knob class for a long time, so it's not a new day. Dave, Dave, I fucking love you, man, like few other people in the world, but you fucking are. You, you, you're exhausting at times. You... <laughs> I, I, feel I think I feel with all these fucking Darwin haters. I'm not a Darwin hater. I'm fighting the good fight. All I'm saying is that I think his ticket to staying in the team is those chances that came his way today, a couple of them go in, right? Then he makes himself undroppable. All the other concerns you have. Right. Christ. All right. He's not gonna do um, it. He's not gonna score every chance he gets. That's just the fact. I mean, look how many chances Mo misses. It's like the, the top strikers do miss a lot of chances. Oh, don't be going all Stu Monty and hating on Mo because it's I'm not. It's I've, just agenda. Called, I've just called Mo a top striker. I'm not hating on him. Yeah. I'm just saying he misses a lot of chances because he does. Misses some chances. You've got to be in there to miss them. Misses some chances. Fact is, miss a lot. they didn't know how to deal with Darwin today. He just caused mayhem. Yeah, he did. He did. Embrace the chaos, Chris. Embrace the chaos. You got me completely wrong. I want him to succeed. All I'm saying is to you that, like, that you know, he's not going to get picked most weeks, right? I feel like his ticket into the team and staying in the team is putting those chances away on a regular basis. Should he should have had a couple today, and he's got none. Then that's fine, and he played well, and he was great, and everything. But from the long term view, in terms of whether he's going to be in that front three in most weeks, then I think that's that's the ticket for doing it. That's all I'm saying. And I'm not fighting with you about it, and I'm not arguing with you. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Um, anything else before we? Before uh, we round up? No, I think. Nope. I think that's everything. Yeah. So I have uh, had one eye on the. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say. So obviously it's an international break, but we'll be probably back before that with the. Mo leaves for Saudi pod. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I'm. We'll joking. do something in the meantime. Yeah, we'll hopefully, maybe like a, hopefully not that one. No, maybe it's like we'll do like a Q and A and stuff. Those ones are always quite fun. So yeah. maybe we'll do something like that. I just have one eye yeah, on the uh, the Man United Arsenal game through this. Man United thought that they'd taken the lead in stoppage time. It was disallowed for 
offside, and then Arsenal scored in the 96th minute and the 101st <laughs> minute to win uh, to win three one. So. Fucking hell. beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I, th- yeah, I think I think the wheels are going to come off Eriksen Jag this season. The shit, that's why. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah, really, really. And, and shit. like, it's not about same the... same as they've been under the last three managers. They're just shite. It's they're not the results. It's the eye test. Like you watch them and you can see even games where they've won. You're like, no, you know what? These are shit. Like it's the mess too. of the squad as well. They still have got no coherent plan yeah. whatsoever. They just sign random players because they need them. And they're stuck with the Glazers oh. for a few more years as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good lads. Um, all right, nice. Well, that was a you know nice little way to, to round off a good day's football. Um, as Dave said, uh, we'll be back at some point during the international break. I think he's going to try and get this up tonight, sat- Sunday night. Otherwise, you'll be... Enjoying it with your Monday morning croissants. Um, Thanks to Paul. Thanks to Dave. Great win for the Reds today. Uh, Until next time, we'll catch you soon. Nunez, Nunez, Nunez. (laughs) The best word I can say but uh, will describe this was boom. (laughs) 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 What was this? It was really good.